This is Unfiltered. Episode 236 for May 10th, 2017. The mission is addictive. To protect the American people and uphold the Constitution, that is, that's not a great way to make a living, but it's an, it's an unbelievable way to make a life. And the president can fire an FBI director, but it's a big deal, and so I'm hoping it will never happen. I will be so sad the day I have to leave this mission and these people. Welcome to Unfiltered, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show that's saving you from all of that awful cable news you really shouldn't be watching. My name is Chris and my friends. Mr. Chase is out this week. I know. I know I miss him already myself. But he, he has some family things that he must take care of. And we look forward to Mr. Chase returning most likely next week. But never fear. In those shoes that are very large and hard to fill, it's Noah. Hey, Noah. Hey, Chris, good to be here. This is obviously a really exciting week to join you on Unfilter, given the recent Comey news, and I'm sure that's going to be coming up. Holy! Yeah, no, this actually, I think you and I have already just happened to be chatting about this a lot, going back and forth, just in our personal telegram. And so it's sort of perfect that you're here because you and I are already fully up to speed on all of the stuff that's going on this week. This is one of those weeks in the Unfilter show where I, I suspect a lot of people at home are going... Yeah, I can't wait till Unfilter. I, I, I got to hear their take on this because um, guess what? It's different than just about everything else you're hearing out there. <laughs> but we do have some traditions to get to. We do like to warm you up a little bit and we have some cyber to start with. So this week, uh, I want to get everybody educated on the dangers of ISIS recruiting online. Uh, and specifically, Noah, it's perfect that you're here um, because you are a big eBay guy. Right. True. I am, yeah. I'm also I'm also very big into this uh, <coughs> cyber. Uh, this. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in fact, Noah is trying to sell some of the old Macs on the studio from the st- legitimately right now as we record this episode. Noah has like a Mac Pro from the studio and an iMac that we took out of the studio as we converted everything to Linux up on his eBay page. That is happening right now. So he's like he's all in on eBay, which is why I'm concerned that mm, Noah <sighs> ISIS might get you, buddy. And a deadly terror trap could be waiting for you on Craigslist or on eBay. What? An ISIS magazine is encouraging followers to post fake sales ads to lure victims into their houses, hold them hostage, and then murder them. eBay? eBay and Craigslist. Watch out, Noah. Are you telling me that you... You threw me under the bus. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a terrorist now just for selling an iMac. No, 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 no. See, gonna someone's gonna me? offer you to. They're gonna be like, no, I'll buy that Mac Pro, uh, and you just gotta bring it to me. I'm, I'll be right here. Just bring me that Mac Pro. And you, being the kind of guy you are, like you're like, no way, I'm not doing that. I'm too busy. And then they're gonna write you back and they're because they profiled you. Uh-huh. They pro because it's ISIS and they do this. They profiled okay. you. Okay. And what they're gonna do is they're gonna say, Noah, I want to buy that Mac Pro but I need you to install Linux and bring it to me. And the moment they say that, you're gonna, uh, yeah, I'm going to bring Within it to you. an hour, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then they're going to recruit you to ISIS, dude. Dude, they're going to recruit you. <sighs> Shoot. I, well, I know. Okay, well, do, you think they, do you think they come on Unfiltered for an interview? 
Oh, man. Thank, you know what? No, I really – content first. I appreciate that. Yeah, when you get recruited to ISIS, please bring him on the show. Let's, let's, now, let's move on from this because we all have to get outraged about something today. Wait, wait, Chris. Uh, Chris yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just one question. Mm-hmm. If I get recruited to ISIS, do I have to use Linux Mint? <laughs> Apparently, that is part of the ISIS recruitment training package. Yeah, so no. get ready for it, buddy. But don't worry. Those PPAs are still going to work great. Now, in the meantime, we all hate Monsanto. Biotech giant Monsanto has been accused of hiring an army of internet trolls to counter negative comments. The allegation surfaced amid lawsuits claiming the company's products cause cancer, with Monsanto allegedly concealing potential risks, is the allegation. It's claimed Monsanto targets all online material that mentions the danger of its products. According to the court papers, the company launched the program under the name Let Nothing Go. All right, I want to stop right here. So that's why this is interesting, is Monsanto has a policy that no comment online Shall left shall be left untouched. If there's an anti-Monsanto comment, it will be responded to. The site, scale, size, audience, none of that matters. No, no anti-Monsanto comment shall stand. Through third parties, it employs individuals with no connections to the industry to defend Monsanto online, is the allegation again. Earlier, we spoke to Timothy Litzenberg. He's a lawyer for one of the plaintiffs. This seems to me like a super, super, super scary slope. Not only is it... Not only does it concern me that multi-billion dollar worldwide corporations have determined that comments online are worth their time and interest and money to go after, which what the hell does that mean? But also in the sense of what kind of world do we live in where we go read reviews and comments to try to get perspective from fellow citizens and in there are paid trolls. Like this is also bad. Lose, lose, everybody. The Let Nothing Go program, um, which handles negative comments on a microscopic level. It's uh, Monsanto's goal right now to let no negative comment, even on the Internet, go unnoticed and unaddressed. And my understanding is there's typically a series of intermediaries that ends up with um, folks that will be willing to make supportive comments. It's very suspicious. If you look at negative press coverage of Monsanto online and you look at the comment section, you'll see people from across the country. Country, um, coming out in favor of Monsanto. So how- All I can say is, millennials, you need to stay woke. Stay woke, my millennials. Stay woke. Stay woke. <laughs> Have you heard Maxine Waters say that? It's really no. good. Oh yeah, it's it's worth googling. Um, so <laughs> now I just I actually wanted to play that as a maybe as a bit of a let's just take a moment here on the show and have ourselves a PSA because we should all consider that the comments. Anywhere on the internet may be biased. And in the, in the meantime, maybe the NSA can sort it all out. Well, two years ago, Congress passed legislation that was intended to curb the NSA's power to monitor Americans' phone calls. Law didn't seem to have stopped the NSA, according to an annual report released recently despite having fisa warrants to spy on only 42 specific terrorism suspects last year the national security agency managed to collect 151 million american phone call records what is the nsa doing and does it justify the massive violation of your privacy the entire monitoring system of the nsa is designed around responding to 911 and so this whole, like, we, we monitor somebody outside the U.S., and if they talk to somebody inside the U.S., we can then monitor them, and we can, talk to, we can monitor the five people that they talk to. It leads to this huge number where we get hundreds of millions of people that are being surveilled under this program. 
all under the guise of uh, trying to fight and stop terrorism. The same exact excuse that the UK government is using right now with which is this is all this is all an accusation. But the claim is the UK government is currently planning legislation to ban encryption. A leaked document has revealed the British government's been secretly planning to effectively ban encryption so it has unfettered access to people's private communications. Polly Boyker has details. The government wants to oblige companies to remove electronic protection from communications like WhatsApp and other internet messaging apps. This is called backdoor access, and the concern surrounding it is that it could be exploited by hackers or terrorists. Many viewers will recall that the UK's Home Secretary, Amber Rudd, complained about encryption in the wake of the Westminster terror attack in March. There should be no place for terrorists to hide. We need to make sure that... um, Um, organizations like WhatsApp, and there are plenty of others like that, don't provide a secret place for terrorists to communicate with each other. We need to make sure that our intelligence services have the ability to get into situations like encrypted WhatsApp. The plan is to force internet service providers and phone companies to hand over suspects' communications within one day of the authorities asking for them. And companies will have to be able to provide this for one in every 10,000 customers, which, according to estimates, equates to around 6,500 Brits at any one time, which is effectively a recipe for real-time mass surveillance. Oh, that seems like a bad thing. That seems bad. It also seems like one of these problems that will always, always, always continue to grow. It's not just in the U.S. It's not just in uh, the U.K. It could be anywhere. It could be. It could be even. But if you take a look at the French elections, for example, again, an unclassified hearing. I'm not even in the French elections. Not going to get into specifics. But we had become aware of Russian activity. We had talked to our French counterparts prior to the public announcements. <gasps> Of the events that it, uh, were publicly attributed. Oh, I'm sorry. What, what was that? That it uh, were. I'm sorry. What? That it. Uh, were I didn't understand. Could you say it again? Events that it uh, were publicly attributed. Oh, okay. This past weekend, and gave them a heads up. Look, we're watching the Russians. We're seeing them penetrate some of your infrastructure. Here's what we've seen. What can we do to try to assist? We're doing similar things. I have a fun thought uh, experiment that I want to. I just want to just throw okay. out there. So I and you can if you want if you want to if you want to classify it as bacon you can you can classify it as bacon I I suppose it smells like bacon in Vault Seven we learned that the CIA has the ability to go after anyone and leave the fingerprints of any nation they choose Iran and Russia and China seeming to be their favorites could it be could it be this is again. I don't. I do not subscribe. I got this is another load of bacon because I don't subscribe to any of this. Could it be that that Edward Snowden is a CIA employee? In fact, that he's still on the CIA employee list, and that he was a contractor at Booz Allen while a CIA employee, and that Edward Snowden leaked documents that hurt the NSA, and now the CIA is attacking government institutions and French government institutions and German government institutions and using tools that were revealed in Vault 7 to make it look like the Russians. And then the NSA is running around like the good little data analysts and nerds that they are and seeing Russian fingerprints and seeing Russian traffic when really the CIA is pulling all the strings all along. Could that be what's happening here? Could could Admiral Rogers be telling the truth that they are seeing Russians penetrate the network? 
when in actuality the CIA is just simply fucking around and using the tools that they have at their disposal to make it look like the Russians? Do you think that's po- possible? Maybe. I, with, with, the, with the way that they went out of their way to vilify Edward Snowden, I feel like if he was still involved with the government at all, that, that, would, that would take amazing planning and foresight from people in our government. I don't, and know, I'm not, if, I don't know if I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that I believe they have that kind of foresight. So you think? Um, I, I think it doesn't – I don't think foresight and a long-term uh, 4D chest is what, what it took. What it took was a little what a little what it took was a belief in the chaos theory. What it took was a belief that they have the ability to always control the narrative. What it took was an understanding that there is a war between government institutions, especially in the intelligence agency, for funding. And what it took was the willingness to expose another part of the government to accomplish goals that further another part of the government. And if that part of the government feels that their goals are more important. They'd be willing to do it. Now, that's all the I feel like the recipes, that's all it would take. And that doesn't seem that that big of a stretch to get to that point. And mm-hmm. I, I would actually I would argue that if you have, say, control over the narrative on the CBS morning and evening news and on NBC and on ABC, if you have control over Anderson Cooper, if you have the ability right. to influence what the coverage is on MSNBC – then why the fuck not take the risk? You put Edward Snowden out there, job gets done, stuff gets leaked, the NSA gets trashed, nobody's talking about the CIA's drone program anymore. And then when you have these people in these institutions, when you have Mike Morrell showing up on the CBS Morning News with Charlie Rose telling us how it all is, well, Mike Morrell is a CIA employee. Edward Snowden is a CIA employee. Like, Something here clicks, and now you have the NSA running around, monitoring the packets on the network, getting data that tells them it's the Russians, and they have no reason to, to – who, who wants to be the person that cl- claims it's the CIA when the data tells you it's the Russians? I'm not going to be that guy. If I'm Mike Rogers, I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy running the NSA that's going to point the finger at the CIA when the proof and the evidence tells me it's the, it's the Russians. Right. And so now I'm sitting here in Congress and I can tell you the evidence has told me it's the Russians and I have seen the Russians penetrating the French networks. This past weekend and gave them a heads up. Look, we're watching the Russians. We're seeing them penetrate some of your infrastructure. Here's what we've seen. What can we do to try to assist? We're doing similar things with our German counterparts, with our British counterparts. They have an upcoming election sequence. We're all trying to figure out how can we try to learn from each other. And that's much more my NSA role than in my cyber command role. I don't know if that's what's happening, mm-hmm. but I would put it forward as a theory that would match up with a lot of the things that we're hearing. Right. I don't actually know if I subscribe to it, but I think it's it's worth considering. I also think recently it's it's worth considering more so than ever that Russia is influencing some of these elections and that they are actually doing something and that Russia is you more complete. So? Yeah, well, I think it is worth considering more than we have in the past. Um, because you know, I don't think I don't think that Russia should be, we should ever count Russia out as a uh, you know as a serious player and definitely somebody we want to keep our eyes on. But um, I don't know. I, I it it seems like it's a far stretch to think that Russia has any real meaningful influence over over elections. Yeah, you know, outside of you know outside of their geography. Well, I, I guess at the end of the day, I go back to what did the Russians expose? If you if you if you accept that the Russians uh, fished John Podesta and that the Russians. Uh, got information from the DNC and that it wasn't Seth. Yeah, I don't accept any of that. I don't either. 
I don't either. I can't even I can't even accept that. But if you accept all those facts and if you accept the fact <laughs> fact <laughs> if you accept the quote unquote fact that Russia supplied the information to WikiLeaks then which, I then which, I, which I Julian I, Assange specifically said that I know, they didn't. I know, but then I guess then I guess what I would I don't know because you know at the end of the day what you're accepting is that they exposed the DNC and Hillary Clinton by showing the things that they were actually saying in their own emails and it right. wasn't it was not like Vladimir Putin wouldn't set up a Debian box run an IMAP and postfix it's not like Vladimir Putin encouraged Hillary Clinton to connect her personal Verizon Blackberries to a personal email server I, I doubt Vlad right. did all of that so right. I can't play I can't pin that on the Russians either so I'm kind of left I'm left struggling at best. At best, I could argue maybe, maybe somehow some third party you know, Russian government you know, associate you know, is funding WikiLeaks. Maybe that's what's you know, going that's, on. You know, that's it's interesting you point that out because nobody was really talking about that. We talk about you know the the letter that James Comey wrote, and we talk about the fact that the the email scandal is what ultimately led to all of this. But nobody is really talking about where that all started. Nobody forced her to use her own email. She could have stored her emails on state.gov. She, by her own choice, and it's not that she didn't know better, by her own choice, decided to set up her own email server and circumvent transparency yeah. law. I have played clips on this show. I have played a clip of Hillary Clinton laughing at the idea that she would use email. Oh, God, why would I ever do that? So, Mike, no. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Mm-hmm. I've played that clip on the show before. So she knew years before she was ever Secretary right. of State what was up. Um, so let's talk about what we're what everybody's all distracted by. We're all distracted by the Russians. We're all distracted by Flynn. We're all Sally Yates. All of this. And so I, I want to play a few things from the NSA director, uh, from Mike Rogers, from his testimony on Mike Flynn. I think it's I think it's important because it gets to unmasking. Let's get started with the day's top story. Leaks and unmasking in the spotlight during yet another key Senate hearing today. This time, NSA Director Mike Rogers was on the hot seat, facing off with senators over illegal leaks and their role in the controversy around former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. Somebody took that information that we gained through collection of, with Flynn and gave it to the Washington Post. Somehow it got to the media, that's clear. That is a crime. And that's a leak, and that is illegal, yes, sir. Okay. Uh, do you, are you concerned about people taking the law in their own hands, no matter how noble they think the event may be? Oh, I, I, do, I'm, I am surprised that Lindsey Graham is giving this actually important aspect of this entire story any kind of credibility or time. Are you too? Are, are you surprised no. that Lindsey Graham is the one asking this question? Anytime Lindsey Graham opens his mouth and says anything that's remotely intelligent, I'm surprised. Yeah, like this is a genuine question. Who the F is doing all of these leaks? This is going to damage our intelligence collection capability. These are things that actually need to be answered. And surprisingly, it's him asking it. Now, Mike Rogers, uh, I don't know if this is him feigning passion or if this is actually something he's fired up about, but he gets into it. Yes, sir, which is why I've gone to my workforce in writing and said, let's make sure we understand what in writing, which sounds like he got. Could you imagine in writing? You know what that means? Well, it means well, people he, uh, got to work that morning. They logged into their Windows Active Directory and they opened up 
their Outlook program is it downloaded emails from their stupid exchange server, and in there was a douchebag shit post email from Mike Rogers that probably fucked up their entire day. Can you imagine well, I, like that? I, I, like, I tell you what, I'll play. I'll play devil's advocate for you for a second. I think that uh, maybe what he's referring to is there's a there's an old saying, right? If it didn't happen in writing, it didn't happen at all. What he's, I think, what he's saying. I understand is, that's why he's writing, emphasizing. Sorry. I no, I get that's why he's emphasizing it now in testimony. But at the time, could you just think about how that would feel as an NSA day to day punch the clock employee? You sit down, you right, open up your right. Outlook inbox, you just and actually picture it as you. Like really put yourself in there. Like you're a Linux user, you've got to sit down at this Windows Seven machine that you hate. You log into the desktop because some of these guys are real geeks, right? You're gals. You log into the desktop. You open up the horrible, probably two versions behind of Outlook, and you download your email. And in that email is a shit post from Mike Rogers talking about all of this. Like it has got to be like the kind of thing that really starts your day out on a solid dump. And that's a leak, and that is illegal. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, do you are you concerned about people taking the law in their own hands, no matter how noble they think the event may be? Oh yes, sir. Which is why I've gone to my workforce in writing and said, let's make sure we understand what the professional ethos of our organization is. We do not, if I could finish, sir. We <laughs> he gets all like, no, no, Lindsey Graham, let me keep going. Do not engage in this behavior. And if I catch you engaging this behavior, I will fuck your shit up. I will hold you criminally liable. Admiral Rogers also faced tough questions over surveillance and the reported unmasking of Trump campaign members by the Obama administration officials. Is there a record of, of every request made? Yes. So there's a record of who made the request to unmask the conversation involving the American citizen? Yes, sir. There's a record of whether or not you granted it? Yes, sir. Is there a record of what the person did with the information once they got it? No. Do you know if Susan Rice ever asked for an American citizen to be unmasked? You know, that just doesn't really ring a bell. Uh, Guys, you know, these super critical, high-profile things don't really come across my desk because I'm too busy playing Crossy Road. I'd have to pull the data, sir. I apologize. God, I'm really sorry about that. So there you go. Susan Rice gets – but some interesting questions nonetheless. And Clapper also answered some interesting questions. Mr. Clapper and Ms. Yates, uh, did either of you ever request the unmasking of Mr. Trump, his associates, or any member of Congress? Um. So (laughs) he's about to – Not that I recall. Not that I recall. Actually, he's about to say yes. Oh, well, that's good. I, 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 I was shocked, but this whole, like, oh, let me think about this, you know, huh, ho-hum, every day a presidential candidate and his team come right. across my desk right. to unmask, right. so it doesn't really spring forward. Uh, it is all fake. So anyways, let's go back. Congress. Um, yes, in, in uh, one case I did. I can, I can specifically uh, recall, but I, I can't discuss it any further than that. You can't. So if I ask you for details, you said you can't discuss that. Is that what you said? Not not here. Okay. Ms. Yates, can you answer that question? Did you ever request unmasking of Mr. Trump, his associates, or any member of Congress? No. So James Clapper just said that they unmasked Mr. Trump and some of his associates. Like, he was wiretapped. He was essentially wiretapped, and then, and then by unmasking it, that information was passed around the federal government to slander him. That is essentially what he just said, and it's getting very little play. 
Do you do you read all of that? Do you understand like how deep like he just admitted that a request to unmask the names of United States citizens who were monitored by the NSA, which would be I mean, that is a massive deal. That is a huge deal to unmask these names because you're not supposed to be monitoring because there's this pesky constitution. You're not supposed to be monitoring these citizens. And he just admitted that they did it. You know, and the, the interesting thing is that we have the, the, the an entire section of the political sphere has been railing on people for suggest for Trump for suggesting that he may have been, that he had information that he may have been wiretapped. And yet nobody is talking about the fact that Michael S. Schmidt published a day the day before his inauguration that Trump himself was tired was wiretapped and it ran in the New York, New York Times, Times top of the fold. Yeah. Nobody's talking <laughs> about that. I know. Why I don't know. why don't you go back and ask Michael S. Schmidt why he wrote that article yeah. if that was false. Did, and I guess have you, we have, have you, evidence have that you it was gone back false. have you gone back and looked at that article? Because I have they pulled it off the web but they couldn't get the yeah. they couldn't pull the actual print yeah. part of it. There. Yeah, they pulled it off the web. Yep, yep, yep. But there's leaked copies on, on yeah. Reddit. We linked to it in the time they originally posted it. Um, anyways, here we are. I don't know how many months really into this Russia investigation where the dossier has been passed around since October. But so if you go by that, you I, whatever I don't know what metric you go by, but we are we are many, 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 many days into people in the government looking into Trump's connection and Trump's associates between Trump and his associates and Vlad over in Russia. So you would think by now, by now, there would be some kind of smoking gun. So let's bring on someone who would really know, someone who sits in on these intelligence briefings, someone who is key in the Democratic Party, Dianne Feinstein. She's going to have the official word, right? She's really, she, she's going to tell us what the link is. I know that you and some of your colleagues from the Senate Intelligence Committee drove over to Langley, Virginia yesterday to CIA yeah. headquarters and you were briefed. Uh, yeah, we took the bus over to the CIA <laughs> and then they gave us a great presentation. It was really scary as hell. Here's the question. And you don't have to provide yeah. you don't have okay. to provide us with any class. <laughs> don't worry. I don't I don't expect you to answer any tough questions. I know that in order for me to get you on the show next time, I have to softball information, Senator. But do you believe do you have evidence that there was in fact collusion between Trump associates and Russia during the campaign. Key figure in the Democratic Party lined up on CNN with Wolf ready to give the final killing blow to Donald Trump. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen, after six months of investigation, after all of this hoopla, after such a brutal election, Dianne Feinstein, key figure in the party, tell us the evidence. Not at this time. Wait. Uh, oh, what? 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 I, I'm sorry, because it sounded like she said there's no evidence. During the campaign. Not at this time. Well, that's a pretty, pretty precise answer. I know the investigation is continuing. Oh, oh, OK. So here we are still with no smoking gun. Maybe they just need more time. OK, well, you know, at least we've at least we've really, you know, um, looked into stuff, I guess. I I don't I I, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted by it. I want to talk about James Comey, though, because I think that's everybody's here for Comey. And uh, you guys know how much I love him. And I thought for us to fully appreciate the flavor of what's happened this week, we should we should go back to last week. I played a few tidbits from his testimony. But I didn't play a couple of really key parts 
in their full context. And now that this has all happened, I feel like before too much time passes, we should play this. So it's documented in the episode of Unfilter when Comey was fired. I think it's important that we have some of this stuff on the record. So this was a question that was asked to Jim Comey last week. And I played a part of it. But I think the entire thing stands. I, I've lived my whole life caring about the credibility and the integrity of the criminal justice process, that the American people believe it to be and that it be, in fact, fair, independent, and honest. And so what I struggled with in the spring of last year was how do we credibly complete the investigation of Hillary Clinton's emails if we conclude there's no case there? The normal way to do it would be to have the Department of Justice announce it. And I struggled as we got closer to the end of it. A number of things had gone on, some of which I can't talk about yet. Some of which I can't talk about yet. That is an interesting line. And I would love to I would love to I wish we could spend an episode talking about just that, because some things had gone down that he couldn't talk about yet, which implies we will find out about at some point that shook his foundational confidence in Loretta Lynch. And it's not Clinton meeting her on the tarmac because he's about to talk about that. It's something else that went down that convinced him that any judgment that came from Loretta Lynch's office could not be trusted by the public, which to me implies that what he is not talking about is something that the public would eventually find out about. Stay tuned, I guess. A number of things had gone on, some of which I can't talk about yet that made me worry that the department leadership could not credibly complete the investigation and decline prosecution without grievous damage to the American people's confidence in the, in the justice system. So unpack that for a second. He believed that the Justice Department couldn't make a decision without grievous damage to the public's confidence right. because of things that have happened that he can't talk about yet, which, by the way, he's talked about the tarmac. It's not that. It's something else. I don't know what, but in light of all that's happened, I find that fascinating. And then the capper was, and I'm not picking on the, the Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, who I like very much, but her meeting with President Clinton on that airplane was the capper for me. And I then said, you know what? The department cannot by itself credibly end this. The best chance we have as a justice system is if I do something I never imagined before, step away from them and tell the American people, look, here's what the FBI did, here's what we found, here's what we think. And that that offered us the best chance of the American people believing in the system that it was done in a credible way. That was a hard call. Do you buy that? I, do you buy that that's what not he was doing? Okay, all right, okay, so save that because I'm not sure I do either. Um, but before we go, I want to give the full context of his reasons for submitting that letter to Congress just a little bit before the election. Why was it necessary to announce 11 days before a presidential election that you were opening an investigation on a new computer without any knowledge of what was in that computer? Why First of all, you- that's false. That's false. They, it, it wasn't no knowledge of what was on that computer. They found emails that were inappropriately forwarded to Huma Abedin, and they had a pretty good idea where those emails may have right. come from. Of course, Diane Feinstein realizes that those words are now in a record, but he will actually try to correct her. Just do the investigation as you would normally with no public announcement. Did you hear the way she said that too? Just do the investigation. The investigation. Right. Hold on. Let me go back a little bit further. 
was in that computer. Listen to the way she says, just do the investigation. It sounds like, why didn't you just shut the fuck up and do your job? Why didn't you just do the investigation as you would normally with no public announcement? So you have to take in like her her stature, her position, the authority that this woman has when she says it like that. She's asking, why didn't you just shut up and do your job? Great question, Senator. Thank you. Yeah, great. Um, Great. October 27th. The investigative team that had finished the investigation in July, focused on Secretary Clinton's emails, asked to meet with me. So I met with them that morning, late morning, in my conference room, and they laid out for me what they could see from the metadata on this fella Anthony Weiner's laptop that had just like you're talking about been seized in an unrelated case. What they could see from the metadata was that there were thousands of Secretary Clinton's emails on that device including what they thought might be the missing emails from her first three months as Secretary of State. We never found any emails from her first three months. Oh, really? Because she deleted them. She was using a Verizon BlackBerry then, and that's obviously very important because if if there was evidence that she was acting with bad intent, that's where it would be in the first three months. But they weren't there. Look, can I just finish my answer, Sam? (laughs) Hey, hey, Diane, uh, your agenda's showing. There. Look, can I just finish my answer, Senator? And so they came in and said, we can see thousands of emails from the Clinton email domain, including many, many, many from the Verizon Clinton domain, BlackBerry domain. They said, we think we got to get a search warrant to go get these. And the Department of Justice agreed we had to go get a search warrant. So I agreed. I authorized them to seek a search warrant. And then I faced a choice. And I've lived my entire career by the tradition that if you can possibly avoid it, you avoid any action in the run-up to an election that might have an impact whether it's a dog catcher election or president of the United States. But I sat there that morning, and I could not see a door labeled no action here. I could see two doors, and they were both actions. One was labeled speak, the other was labeled conceal. Because here's how I thought about it. I'm not trying to talk you into this, but I want you to know my thinking. That's an interesting line, huh? It's like a but weird he really couch. He comes off as genuine. He really comes off as being honest. Yeah, He's especially when you hear the whole the- context, right? When you hear the whole thing. But you notice he's not struggling for words. He's not struggling to find his thoughts. He's simply walking down. This is how I arrived at that thought. Whether you agree with it or not, here's how I arrived at the decision I came to. Yeah, it is either an extremely, extremely well-practiced, well-rehearsed narrative or it is genuinely the struggles this man went through, right? I agree. It's got to be one of those two and I leave it up to the viewer to decide. But I'll tell you personally – and I said this last week after watching this, he seems like a straight shooter. I don't – the only the only disparity in, that I have in all of this is I think his criteria in what he judged Clinton, the determining the intent was a false right. – was a, was a false criteria. But we'll get to that. Let's talk about that later. Let's finish okay. this up. Uh, I think all of this is ringing somewhat true to me. I'm not trying to talk you into this, but I want you to know my thinking. Having repeatedly told this Congress, we are done and there's nothing there, there's no case there, there's no case there, to restart in a hugely significant way, potentially finding the emails that would reflect on her intent from the beginning and not speak about it would require an act of concealment, in my view. Imagine yourself. Like your guys come to you and they're like, oh man, no, we really think we found something here. You know, just looking at the metadata, 
There's a lot of Hillary emails on this inbox and the dates. These are from dates we've never seen before. I think we've got something here. I think we've got to do this. I think we've got to look into this. And then he's either got to do it in secret or he's got to inform right. Congress. This is his position. And so I stared at speak and conceal. Speak would be really bad. There's an election in 11 days. I think he was prompted. Speak and conceal has been propagated now as a meme on a lot of the more left-leaning news networks. Uh, a lot of speaking conceals getting tossed around right now. And I don't – have you ever heard that before? I mean I'm sure it's no. a term that existed, but it's not been a common phrase. And now I'm hearing it a lot since this particular um, use of it. But uh-huh. – so I, but I wouldn't put it past him to have been coached to some degree. And from the beginning and not speak about it would require an act of concealment in my view. And so I stared at speak and conceal. Speak would be really bad. There's an election in 11 days. Lordy, that would be really bad. Lordy. Concealing, in my view, would be catastrophic, not just to the FBI, but well beyond. And honestly, as between really bad and catastrophic, I said to my team, we've got to walk into the world of really bad. I've got to tell Congress that we're restarting this, not in some frivolous way, in a hugely significant way. And the team also told me, we cannot finish this work before the election. And then they worked night after night after night, and they found thousands of new emails. They found classified information on Anthony Weiner. Somehow, her emails are being forwarded to Anthony Weiner, including classified information. Somehow, Huma. By her assistant, Huma Abedin. And so they found thousands of new emails and then called me the Saturday night before the election and said, thanks to the wizardry of our technology. You know, those IT wizards. We've only had to personally read 6,000. We think we can finish tomorrow morning. God. Sunday. And so I met with them and they said, we found a lot of new stuff. We did not find anything that changes our view of her intent. So we're in the same place we were in July. Since we're still using the same bullshit criteria. Right. It hasn't changed right. our view. And I asked them lots of questions. And I said, OK, if that's where you are, then I also have to tell Congress that we're done. So that was. Uh, but you know what? I'll accept that as his reasoning. It seems to make sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's I think it's the <laughs> I think uh, by that criteria. Yes, he's telling the truth. The issue that I have with it is I don't find the criteria of intent to be credible. Yes program material. Isn't that in and of itself a violation of the law? Sure. Under 18 U.S.C. Section 793, the General Espionage Statutes, and Sections A, E, and F, and specifically here F, uh, the standard is if you conduct this kind of activity with the sharing of information or use gross negligence in how the information is handled, that's a felony. So you've got the thing that I found just absolutely puzzling, besides the fact that the FBI director has selective disclosure disease. Uh-huh. He discloses what he wants to disclose and doesn't disclose what he doesn't want to disclose. And that's been my problem with Comey all along. I mean, other than the encryption debate that he keeps trying to start and the uh, precedence that he keeps trying to set with the San Bernardino shooters, outside of all of that crap that I've hated, I really have been been annoyed by his selective disclosure. And so it was surprising but somewhat understandable when this news hit the air. This 
This is a Fox News alert. I'm Brett Baer in Washington. Moments ago, breaking news that no one saw coming. Today, oh. we learned that President Trump has fired FBI Director James Comey. This comes just moments after the Bureau ish issued a correction to a statement Comey made to Congress last week about the Hillary Clinton email investigation. And it is the latest chapter in what has been an extremely yeah. rocky tenure for the nation's top law enforcement official. The news breaking just 15 minutes ago. So let's let's pause right here. Um, <laughs> when I saw this, I, I was on air and uh, I didn't really know what to think about it. My initial reaction was. It's going to be interesting to see what the Democrats do, because when Comey came out and decided not to indict Hillary, they were all complimentary. We've played the clips. And then right. when he reopened the investigation, they came out and said that they had lost confidence. And then, of course, as the Russian investigation has drug out, different camps have set up. So I thought it's going to be interesting to see. That was my first thought. And so I was watching and now I was in full unfilter mode, dude. Like all sensors online, got the Slack thread up with producer I, Matt. We I, are in go mode. I, you know what I mean? Uh, I was uh, well. I do know what you mean because I was connected with the play by play. But I, I just before we move on uh, too far, I just want to go back to this this idea of intent. You know, he so he sat, he gave a press conference and walked us through step by step up Why, to how she'd broken to, the law. To, right? Yes. Yeah. Up to saying literally, she did it. We all know she did it. Yeah. And then he just said. But there's, we're, there's nothing we're going to do do anything about it, and that's that he was essentially really said because we can't prove her intent. The other Which wasn't necessary. The other ways that we would go after her uh, would probably be challenged, and uh, that challenge would probably win. It's right, and what it's I the, it's, if you think about it, it's a lot of the same thing that happened, uh, you know, in the state in the state of New York with Andrew Cuomo. Just nothing to see here. Don't worry, move along. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, so, did, when when the Comey news came out that that the director of the FBI had been fired, what was what was your personal re first reaction? Well, my first reaction was. Huh. Interesting. Trump just did what the Democrats wanted him to do. That's, that's very <laughs> yeah. And then what was your reaction like? What did you think the uh, not reaction, but what was your thought like? How is it going to what was your thought of how it would be received, like how it would play out? Well, so I mean, here's the thing. If you think about it, J. Edgar Hoover served until he was 73 years old. The only people that have even served as the director of FBI after that, after J. Edgar is, you know, Clarence Kelly, William Webster, William Sessions, uh, you know, Lou Free, Robert Mueller, and James Comey. There's yep. been a handful of people that have served, at the, uh, you know, as the director of the FBI. So when they changed the law in 19, whatever, 1968 to allow the mm -hmm. president to appoint the chief FBI, I just, I don't, I didn't think there was anything really here. This is really not that dramatic. Okay. Well, uh, I guess uh, Chuck Schumer disagrees we with you. You know, dude. the FBI has been looking into whether the Trump campaign colluded with the Russians, a very serious offense. Were these investigations getting too close to home oh. for the president? Oh. It is troubling oh. that Attorney General Sessions, uh -huh. who had recused himself from the Russian investigation, right. played a role in firing the man leading it. I don't I don't follow the connect um there is no connection because oh. the investigation will continue with oh. or without James Comey. Oh, oh. so, uh, well, uh, I don't know because it seems like uh, it seems like Chuck Schumer says this is a troubling pattern and well, uh, Adam Schiff says that uh, this is brazen. Do you believe this is an attempt at a cover-up? 
I don't know if I would call it a cover-up, but it's a brazen interference with the criminal investigation. After all, the president calls this whole investigation a fake. Uh, and here he had a FBI director who, uh, for all of his other flaws, and I agree with a lot of criticisms about how he handled the Clinton email uh-huh. investigation, yeah, sure. uh, nonetheless was seriously looking into whether Trump associates colluded with the Russians. Yeah, so Adam Schiff, Chuck Schumer, Maxine it's, Waters, they're all pretty it's, convinced it's bad. It's, well, they're convinced now. It's the history of now. Chuck Schumer gave an interview to the Huffington yeah, Post yeah. You know, months ago yeah. talking about how he needed to be fired because, he had because lost they, confidence. Had, they, had, they had lost confidence in yeah. James Comey. Yeah, in fact, you can tell that uh, people on the left initially, as this first broke, didn't really know how to respond because – the just the sheeple hadn't yet received their messaging, and it was it was so painfully awkward on the Colbert Report. Or I'm sorry, it's not the Colbert Report anymore. <laughs> on the uh, Tonight Show with Stephen Colbert, watch as uh, the audience cheers the firing of Comey. Now Stephen Colbert recently has really kind of made a name for himself being an anti-Trump show. So the Trump, uh, so his audience is not, not the biggest Trump fan. And he announces the firing of James Comey on the show here. Food story that broke little, just minutes ago, like less than 10 minutes ago, FBI Director James Comey has just been fired by Donald Trump. Do you hear this? <laughs> now this gets really weird because this feels like some sort of awkward shaming. Huge, huge Donald Trump fans here tonight. And that's, that shows no gratitude at all. Man. I mean, what, did Trump forget about the Hillary emails that Comey talked about? It's like, here's your propaganda. Don't you understand? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. We're anti-Trump. No, 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 no. I know we didn't like, we didn't like James Comey, but, but Trump just did something about him. So now we, now we like him again. Yeah, we're flip-flopping again. Listen to this whole thing. It's it's remarkable. It's 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 really kind of a it's a brilliant piece of oh, the messaging hadn't sunk in yet. And and even by the time people download this episode, we will already be in a totally different frame of conversation. And this is your reference point that before we had all moved the conversation forward, this was what the herd had been programmed. A story that broke little just minutes ago, like less than 10 minutes ago. FBI Director James Comey has just been fired by Donald Trump. Oh, no, no, no. Can't, can't be happy about that anymore. Can't be happy. They, they don't know that he's bad now. He's really bad. He's bad now. It's, it's remarkable. Well, it's uh, the history of now. When, when it James is the history Comey of now. says things that it. they want to hear, then we like him. When they say things he doesn't like, we don't like to hear, then, then we don't like him. And if he is... If if Trump doesn't like him, then we have to like him. So there's there's um, there is I think there's a couple of things we should talk about. <clears throat> Probably the one we should talk about is is should he have been fired? Is that is yeah. that unusual? And um, is there maybe more to it? Do you want to? And then I think there's a couple other things we could talk about. Specifically, we should probably talk about the investigation. Um, but what do you think? Is is Trump out of line here? Firing him? Is this just no? A, no, I think that I think that the it is it falls into his presidential discretion after 1968 to decide who the you know who the next FBI director is who the FBI director is going to be, and then and I'm sure you're going to get to this. There are a, a number of actions that Comey took, requesting additional funding and stuff to continue on this over a year long you know investigation that has yeah, not yielded yeah. any fruit. Well, 
Actually, from a president that has run on, you know, fiscal cons- conservatism. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, except for he's more than happy to spend on the military. Uh, but okay. All right. So you, I could accept your premise. Let's start with this then. Let's, let's address this, the specific aspect of it. What about this funding? What about what if, what if the argument that you're about to hear from Pete Williams is true, that James Comey was gearing up to really take the Russia investigation serious? Well, Andrea, there's a strong feeling at the FBI that uh, the director of the FBI FBI was uh, fired because he wouldn't drop the uh, Russia investigation. Um, that's the general sense there. Despite what is being said by the Justice Department and the White House, uh, that feeling persists at the FBI today. And some FBI officials uh, and congressional staffers and people familiar with this say that in the days before the firing, uh, FBI Director James Comey had met with Rod Rosenstein, now the deputy, the man who wrote that three-page memo saying that uh, FBI Director had completely mishandled the Hillary Clinton email investigation and had asked for more staff and more budget uh, to be able to continue and uh, to, in essence, expand the Russia investigation. This is an investigation of Russia hacking on the, invest- on the uh, election last year and potential connections between the Russia election and, uh, hacking oh, and oh. members of the Trump campaign. Um, after that meeting with Rosenstein, uh-huh. the FBI director then mentioned this to members of Congress, yeah. with whom he's been in regular touch, about the Russia investigation. Uh, so that's just an additional fact uh, uh, in the steps leading up to this decision to fire him. I think a fundamental question remains is what is the genesis for the Rod Rosenstein memo? Was this something that was, in essence, tasked to the Justice Department? Give us some reasons that we could fire the FBI director. Did Rosenstein come up with this independently? And then it was greeted uh, at the White House with uh, some feeling that this is what we've been, been looking for. Is there a little of both? We just don't know the answer to that question yet. So what do you think? What if what if he was uh, what if he was going for more funding? Now, the uh, Justice Department says that's totally crap. That was not happening. That's a false news, fake news, bad news. Not true. But let's just entertain it for a second. What if what if James Comey was uh, was looking to really ramp up this investigation? Maybe he uh, he's seen a few things. He's like, OK, now is the time where we're really going to look into this. Is then I think that letting him go wouldn't necessarily change any of that because there's still going to be other people that are involved in that investigation. Yeah, yeah, that is – yeah, OK. So yeah, you know what? Because the whole idea – the whole idea that the FBI director is somehow intimately involved with the investigation or holds some key piece of information is such it's, – it's such um, crime fiction drama bullcrap. It's the kind of stuff that a completely uninformed public would believe, right? Yeah. Comey was a U.S. attorney. He knows the difference between being a U.S. attorney and, and an agent of law enforcement. He knows where those roles are and, and, and what the difference is between the guys like on the scene investigating the evidence and, and searching through that stuff. He's not the only guy there at the FBI. He's certainly not the only one involved in that investigation. And that investigation is going to transition to whoever the next FBI director is. I just I don't really see how that would solve a problem. And honestly, if I'm Donald Trump, <clears throat> and if the whole Russia connection thing is total horseshit, which I would uh, believe, then uh, I would probably want to fire the guy that just wants to waste more money on something that's nothing but a political witch hunt. I'd probably want to fire that guy too. I- I'd probably be that guy. Um, there is also the uh, – so here's here's the here's the narrative, if you will, from the uh, Trump administration and it goes like this. Well, Donald Trump's been – 
reconsidering his uh, James Comey position since he became president. He's been... He's been mulling it over, if you will. Alex, I think it would be helpful in establishing the facts, and I have a couple broader questions for you. So number one, yes or no, did the president direct Rod Rosenstein to write this memo on James Comey? No, the president had lost, uh, again, like I said, he'd lost... By the way, Robinstein... Broader questions for you. So number one, here it is. yes or no, did the president direct Rod Rosenstein... Rosenstein uh, wrote wrote a memo to Donald Trump recommending, uh, well, actually outlining concerns about Comey. And so it was part, it is in part that they're using that as justification for the firing. To write this memo on James Comey? No, the president had lost, uh, again, like I said, he'd lost confidence in Director Comey. Uh And frankly, he'd been considering letting Director Comey go since the day he was elected. Uh, But he did have a conversation uh, with the deputy attorney general uh, on Monday where they had come to him to express their concerns. The president asked that they put those concerns and their recommendation in writing, which is the letter that you guys have received. And so that was uh, partially that and his recent testimony and handling of the Clinton campaign that Trump used justification. Uh, But there was – did you notice that weird like third paragraph in the letter? No. Oh. It's the best part. It's the part where Trump uh, says basically thank you for confirming three times that I'm not under investigation. Did you hear about this? No. If you read the letter, it's awkward. It's just sort of shoved in there. Donald Trump just sort of ham-fistedly says, uh, thank you for acknowledging three times that I am not under investigation for my ties with, FBI, with, the, with, the, with Russia by the FBI. And it just felt extremely forced. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It, 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 anyway, uh, I, I don't buy that uh, it was a, a losing of confidence. I buy that Donald Trump was getting pissed off that the FBI wasn't doing more to shut this bullshit story down. And that the FBI was entertaining the idea of expanding the investigation, either for bureaucratic funding reasons or because they actually thought something was there. I think it's. I think he thought it was a waste of money. Yeah, and I and think, frankly, I think he's right. And I think, well, I think it's. I think if it was just money, it probably wouldn't be enough. Not enough to take the well, political yeah, shitstorm. I mean, okay, fine, fair enough. It's 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 a waste of money, and it also needlessly drags out a conversation where where well, he doesn't like having know, people rag on him. He doesn't yeah, like right. having this conversation. He's sick and tired of this Russia stuff. I mean, he's been dropping bombs on Afghanistan and shooting missiles at Syria, trying to get us to stop talking about it. And then it, and what what is interesting, just just from a a, a clip collection standpoint, is I noticed that the Russia story had started to fall off the map. We weren't talking about Russia much, especially after right. the Afghanistan bomb. In mm-hmm. fact, I've been making jokes about it here on the show for weeks. You noticed yeah, it too. You made, you made it last week. You said uh, you said now that we dropped a bomb, yeah. now we don't have to talk about no, Russia don't. anymore. And uh, th- over the last five to six days, I have noticed that the Russia story has come back up over and over again. And it was getting to the point now where it was the number one story once again. On CNN and MSNBC. And then the next day, this happens. So here's the here's the problem. Let me poke a hole in that theory. The problem with that is, don't you think it's going to get twice the amount of attention tomorrow as it did today? Because now, not only do they have the whatever they were airing today, but they also have the added thing of, oh, and then Trump fired the guy that was investigating. Well, if you believe the leaks and if you believe uh, the uh, White House spokesperson who is filling in for Sean uh, Sanders... If you believe those, 
Trump actually thought this was going to play well. Trump thought that the Democrats, since they were all out on hating Comey, in fact, if you remember, the White House, when they issued the statement, in fact, I didn't say this outright, but it's fascinating. When the, White House, when the White House issued a press release on the firing of the FBI director, attached to that was a statement from Chuck Schumer about losing confidence in James Comey. Well, that's interesting. Do you understand? Yeah. You, you, so the White House, in announcing the firing of Comey, attached Chuck Schumer's statement. Yeah, that, that is interesting because it, 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 it implies – well – yeah, so it goes back to what I said at the beginning of the episode. Trump did exactly what uh, Democrats wanted him to do. And so Trump, now the reports are from Politico, and I don't know if these are to be believed or not, but because they come from quote-unquote sources, but the reports are that Trump and his tight, tight ring of advisors that knew about this actually thought this was going to play well with the Democrats. And that's one of the reasons why they mentioned the Hillary stuff and whatnot. You know what? Then they don't understand the Democrats. I know. The Dem- I know. I know. Because the Democrats, what they're good at more than anything else, and I said this a couple last week or the week before, they are good at fighting, and they fight no matter what. They and and this gives them ammunition to Dude, fight. Within with. hours of the news, the Democrats had a unified message from Chuck Schumer, Adam Schiff, and Maxine Waters. They had messages on. They had people on CNN within hours. Man, they were on point with a message. Let me ask you a question. Was it the same message that they had back when Bill Clinton fired William Sessions? <laughs> I'm just wondering if the same outrage was there. No, that was different. Outrage. No, I tried to dig around for some of that outrage and I couldn't find any. It turns out. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. this is Nixonian then. Because yeah. Isn't that interesting? The whole Nixonian stuff. All those. All those ties. Well, that's what I've been reading. Every time I turn around, it's it's Nixonian that the Trump yeah. would just fire the director that was yeah. investigating. It's just ridiculous. You know, there's a saying in Washington D.C. If you make enemies on the right and you make enemies on the left, you're probably doing something right. <laughs> and yeah, uh, there you go. And there James, you go. James Comey was making enemies on the right and making enemies on the left. And so I think Trump did the calculation that this guy's pissed off both sides um, and he's not letting off on this Russian stuff. There, I have been watching stories for weeks, for weeks, that the Trump administration and people on Trump's team are have been trying to get Comey to come out and just shut all this Russia stuff down and just say it's all crap. There's no fire with any of the smoke. They've been trying for weeks because you know what? they genuinely if believe I, it, and he wouldn't do it. You know what? Here's here's what I would say if I if I, if I were in Trump's campaign, if I was sitting close to him, I would, and I was sitting, you know, in uh, in front of James Comey, I would say, do one or the other. Either come out and say there's nothing here, or show us what's here. Come out and tell us here's what's here. But this this endless witch hunt doesn't seem to be yielding anything. And if there was a tie, you think you'd be pretty easy to find it by now. Yeah, yeah, you think they would have found something by now. Um, yeah, I, uh, this whole thing is so funny because, uh, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know how to predict what the response would be, but I knew the response was going to be crazy. And that really is the state of our, our politics right now. And so, um, I'm watching all of the news coverage of this and we're going to have a little more in the overtime if you want to stick around. It's been fascinating to watch them evolve a consensus on why this is bad. And it's been very, very clear where Fox News lies and where every other news network lies. It's been fascinating because when the news first broke, Tucker Carlson or Tucker Tuckerson came out on the air and said, everyone in D.C. doesn't like Comey and they've all been waiting for this. And when uh, Outfront came on the air, it was 
this is something that doesn't happen in democracies. This is something that only only dictators do. And it's such a – it so, was such a stark curi- difference in coverage. Just out of curiosity, what does democracy have to do with a position that is – he doesn't run for election. It's simmer not- down. No, simmer down now. Come on now. Come on oh, now. Sorry, we're outraged. Did, did I get lost in the minutiae? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you need, to get, you need to get caught up in the outrage, OK? Oh, OK. I'm sorry. Let me, let me rely on my feelings a little bit more and less on my brain. I actually, I actually hate Comey. I never liked him when he when he kept bringing up the encryption stuff. I didn't like how he pressured Apple to un to open up the encryption on the iPhone. I didn't think any of that was helpful. I don't like how he's, uh, well, actually, one thing I do like since Comey came on, well, there, I, they, I guess I, I guess I, I'd say I don't think he was the worst. I don't think he was doing a very good job either. Um, so I'm not surprised Trump fired him. And and he is within his power to do to to fire him. So I just wow. I mean Trump Trump does stuff just every week that honestly you'd never expect. I mean really. Did you see this coming? No, but I voted for him knowing full and well that he was a uh, results may vary candidate. Right? Results may vary candidate. Is that what you yeah, just said? That's, that's what I'm. That's what I called him. That's what I called him from the beginning because he wasn't a constitutional conservative. I had no idea really what what he stood for. But and he said things that were kind of crazy and off the cuff. But the one thing I was hoping for is that his business sense of getting things and and winning sense would lead him to the same conclusions of a candidate that I, I you know I would have gladly voted for. And frankly. For the most part, I've been pretty happy with his decisions, yeah. up to and including firing James Comey. If well, we thought it was time for him to go, it was time for him to go. If only – there's only one way to top all of this and uh, it's Vladimir Putin. And I present you, Noah, and I know you're not – you know, you're kind of new to the show. So this is – we. I have to introduce you to what I consider to be peak Putin. Peak Putin. Uh, CBS News, always trying to get the most up-to-date information from the world's leaders – Cornered Vladimir Putin literally on his way to go win a game of hockey. I assume he's going to win because when Putin plays, he tends to win. Uh, and so CBS News catches Vladimir Putin in hockey uniform and asks them about the firing of James Cohn. Whoa, hi there. Loud clip. Thanks, CBS. <laughs> How will the firing of James Comey affect U.S.-Russian relations? Now picture Vladimir Putin in a hockey uniform answering this question. He shrugs his shoulders. Your question looks very funny for me. He says, he says, Vladimir Putin says, your question, it looks very funny to me. And... He says that while wearing a hockey uniform. Don't be angry with me. Don't be angry with me. We have nothing to do with that. We had nothing to do with it. President Trump is President Trump is acting in accordance with his competence and in accordance with his law and constitution. And then he says he's acting within his own law and his own constitution. And then after that, I kid you not, Vladimir Putin walks out and steps onto the hockey field. It is I can't even I can't even describe the level of winning that this guy has right here. He's a banff. He makes banff. all of our politicians look like fools, like little baby fools. Vladimir Putin with his hockey uniform. Have you have you seen the picture of him with his uh, with his um, 
Of his course spear fishing. Of course okay. I have. Come okay, on. Good. Come on. Come on. I'm just making sure. Come just on. making sure. Come on. Like it's not in my background. It's like <laughs> <laughs> God, that'd be worst. That'd be so bad. Could you imagine if I had call me or if I had uh, Putin on my background and then uh, I put that on the stream. You might just pop up there someday. You never know. <laughs> okay, so you're you're all in. You're all in on him firing Comey. How are you feeling about uh, Trump's um, Middle East policy? A little bit of Middle Yesterday, East. Yesterday, the president authorized the Department of Defense to equip Kurdish elements of the Syrian Democratic Forces as necessary to ensure a clear victory over ISIS in Raqqa, Syria. Oh, so we're going to arm more terrorists with links to terrorist groups in Syria. Yes, FD, the SDF partnered with enabling support from U.S. and coalition forces are the only force on the ground that successfully seize Raqqa in the near future. Okay. We're keenly aware of the security concerns of our coalition partners in Turkey. Uh, we want to reassure the people in the government of Turkey that the U.S. is committed to preventing additional security risks and protecting our NATO ally. Oh, man, this gives me heartburn even just hearing Spicy Sean talk about it. And, of course, it doesn't just stop there in Afghanistan – or, I'm sorry, in Syria. We also have to step up our role in Afghanistan. The Pentagon may get more involved in Afghanistan after more than 15 years of fighting there. 15 President years. President Trump will consider a plan to add more troops to the fight against the Taliban. The plan would increase the number of American and NATO forces in the country. Margaret Brennan is at the White House with what's next in the fight against the insurgents. Margaret, good morning. Hi, Margaret. Good morning. Well, recommendations from the president's top national security advisors will land on his desk this week. Which he seems to just be rubber stamping. And it puts in front of President Trump a key decision of whether to expand the U.S. military role in Afghanistan, already America's longest war. Mr. Trump will be advised to deploy around 3,000 more troops, some American Ooh. and some from NATO allied yeah. countries, to join the more than 8,000 U.S. troops already assisting the Afghan military. Yeah. The U.S. is requesting that NATO contribute as many troops as possible. Ooh. And then the number of American troops would depend on that NATO contribution. Which will likely be almost none. But a high-ranking military official tells CBS News that the Pentagon will ultimately decide on the number made available. Uh-huh. President Trump will also consider lifting Obama-era restrictions on the targeting of Taliban militants, which would effectively pause the so far unsuccessful U.S. efforts to broker peace talks. Yeah. The aim here is to leverage battlefield gains against a resurgent Taliban in order to force them to the negotiating table with the U.S.-backed Afghan government. Force them by killing them. Now, May 25th is the working deadline for President Trump to make a decision. That is when he meets in Brussels with NATO allies. Yeah. So how are you feeling about all that, Noah? Here's the thing. When it comes to the military, I, I take a pretty libertarian approach. Um, well, we should stick our military on our borders and point the guns outward. And, uh, and, and, and that should be that what happens over in, in Syria is really none of our concern. I, I I'm just, we're, we are, we are what $50 trillion in debt. We have our own problems to deal with here, you know, here in the U S not, not dealing with, you know, whatever civil, you know, disturbances are, are, there are all around the world. And yes, that means to a certain degree, we can't play the world police every time there's something bad happens somewhere. Somebody else will have to deal with that, not us. And there's plenty of countries that are closer and could deal with it rather than yeah, us. But it's, not, it's not really about playing world police, is it? No, I know. I know. It, it, there's We always have an interest. There's an oil interest or there's a, there's an agenda somewhere. But that is that is what's presented to us is that there are, there are poor people that are being gassed by mm-hmm. – and so, you have to do something. Well, somebody else can do something. I, we'll mow the lawn at the UN. I remain, I remain consistently disappointed in Trump's 
liberal use of the foreign military. Policy. Yeah, and yeah. his and his and his approach to foreign policy in general. Um, I tell you one that one that probably the biggest thing that set off red alarms for me, sort of like the Star Trek red alert, was uh, his meeting with Henry Kissinger. This yeah. morning, also during a photo op with former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, the president commented on the firing of Director James Comey. So the thing about Henry Kissinger is uh, he's also the guy that uh, was a personal, longtime, very important, close friend to Hillary Clinton. Links in the show notes. And uh, he advised Hillary Clinton on our Syria policy that we are currently in right now. Um, this is the, the Syria policy doesn't all lie on Hillary Clinton's shoulders. Uh, Henry Kissinger helped influence it. Why Trump was meeting with Henry Kissinger? I, but he has he has a few words to say about good old Henry, who's looking a little senile these days. Everybody knows Dr. Kissinger, and we're right now talking about Russia. Oh, good. Good. Well, somebody who was born of the Cold War seems like the perfect person to advise us on how to approach Russia. I'm I'm not worried. Oh, man. I'm not worried at all. And various other matters. Oh, various other matters. We're talking about Syria. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about killing people in Syria. And I think that we're going to do very well with respect to Syria. I think things are happening that are... Really, really, really positive. Like arming militants so they can kill more people? We're going to stop the killing and the death. We had a very, very good meeting with uh, Mr. Lavrov, and it was... That's the Russian guy, the uh, the Russian, uh, not the ambassador, but uh, uh, he's from He's a diplomat. Uh, I thought it was very, very good. What we want to do is we want to see the killing... The horrible killing in Syria stop as soon as possible, and everybody's working toward that end. By arming rebels. But it's an honor to have Henry Kissinger with us. Oh, it's a real honor to have that incontinent son of a bitch sit in your chair, isn't it? He's been a friend of mine for a long time. <laughs> oh, a friend of yours for a long time, just like Hillary. And uh, thank you very much for being here. Appreciate it. Ah, uh, so... I... You know, one of the things when I one of the one of the reasons I really didn't want Hillary to win uh, was because I I just I didn't I didn't want the United States to be responsible for killing more people in Syria. And I really thought that when Trump on the campaign trail, when he said, why are we even bothering in Syria? Let's just let Russia knock the hell out of ISIS and they, they can take care of it. It doesn't need to be our problem. I really thought, well, shit, if this guy, this guy who seems to be some sort of maniac narcissist, at least if he wins the presidency, he'll just let Russia clean things up and we can get the hell out of Syria. That's the one thing I was hoping from Trump. And you would think that that would align very well with his business sense, right? Let, 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 let somebody else do it. You get the same result, but you don't have to necessarily participate or pay for it. And now he's sitting there meeting with Henry Kissinger, which uh, <laughs> is uh, is not good because Henry Kissinger is the uh, person who advised Hillary Clinton. And, uh, well, we got us in this mess. It's disappointing to me. It's, it seems like regardless of who's in the White House, no matter how radical they are, the military-industrial complex, because, because that military-industrial complex doesn't change, because they don't get elected— Nothing really changes when it comes to that. And Trump's all in on spending more money. Man, that's something, huh? Because if ever there was a chance for there to be somebody 
that wouldn't necessarily follow the going trend. You'd think it would be somebody like Donald Trump. Maybe he knows something that the rest of us don't. It could, that could be a possibility. Maybe. Yeah. Do you want to uh, do you want to shift gears and uh, sort of lighten sure. the mood with a high note? Let's do it. I, I thought this piece from Vice was telling of how mainstream cannabis has become. Uh, this is your warning, your unfiltered program, little public service announcement, everybody. Mother's Day is the Sunday that we are recording this show. So uh, be prepared. It's coming. And Vice has a suggestion for what you could do for Mom's Day. It's a bon appetit Mother's Day. My mom and Rai's mom are here in town. Rai's mom uses cannabis, but my mom doesn't. She's a huge fan of the show, though, and she's down to give it a try, as long as she doesn't get high. That's right, everybody. It's Pot for Moms. To pull that off, we're meeting up with Sarah Kramer and Sarah Hymanson of Kismet, a restaurant known for its incredible Middle Eastern cuisine. I don't, I don't know what to think of this. It's like pot is – is it supposed to be so mainstream that now it's pot for moms? Is that what I'm supposed to take away? This seems like super high-class pot. I know. I like I, – they're making me hungry, dude. Like they're the, making – Like the, the, uh, the Italian music in the background? It's I know. Like, well, pot for moms, know? it's happening. It's get ready for it, everybody. And uh, say mother – say happy Mother's Day to mom with an edible. Actually, don't. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't give mom an edible for Mother's Day unless mom has uh, smoked more pot than you have. Now, there could be some medical benefits for mom. Men's Health has reported that recreational marijuana is now legal in eight states and medical marijuana in another 20. A recent study in Germany published in Nature Medicine and conducted by researchers from the University of Bonn concluded that when low doses of THC were administered to aging mice. Get ready for this because if, if I was going to ask you, Noah, what do you suppose the effect of marijuana or cannabis is on memory? What would you say? I would say that they, their brains exploded. That's what I was taught <laughs> no, in school. No, no, That's what I was taught in school. Well, okay, if you would ask me, if you honestly, if you would ask me before I, before I saw this re- research and, and, and saw this clip, mm. I would have said that uh, cannabis uh, affects your short-term memory and uh, prevents uh, some memory retention. That would have been, that would have been my response. Uh, however, and I'm not saying this is true or not, but the research that is uh, in this clip would perhaps suggest otherwise. Bonn concluded that when low doses of THC were administered to aging mice, they showed an improvement in cognitive abilities like memory and the ability to learn new tasks. Zamil Cater, an associate professor in clinical neurosciences at Oxford University, who is also involved in the cannabis research project, told Newsweek that the findings indicate a possible role for that compound in memory and cognition, which is relevant to disorders such as Alzheimer's and other dementias. Isn't that interesting? Maybe everything we've been told is wrong. It's possible. It's worth considering. It's also worth being skeptical of reports. you got to get multiple research. We'll have some more information yeah. in the show notes. And that information is available on Unfilter. That's true. JupiterBroadcasting.com to get that. And thank you to our patrons at Patreon.com slash Unfilter. When YouTube allows, when uh, the great Python scripts over at YouTube allow, we will have the entire unedited live stream posted for everyone at Patreon.com slash Unfilter. And if you like it, you got some value from the show. If you heard some big news this week, like maybe something about James Comey, and you thought, I can't wait for Unfilter, maybe consider supporting us. Patreon.com slash Unfilter. Mr. Noah, where should the good folks find you throughout the week? At Colonel Linux on Twitter, at Ask Noah Show. Ask Noah Show is Mondays at 6 p.m. Central at jblive.tv. Yeah, in fact, if you're trying out Linux, you got a question, 
Just ask Noah. Yeah. You can get. You want uh, to join ISIS and use Linux Mint? We'll show you how to do it. <laughs> yeah, but really, or if you have somebody who switched to Linux and they have a problem, have them ask Noah. You can give out that phone number and have him call into the show, and he'll help you. You know what, Noah? I've also I've also noticed like you'll go the extra mile too. If you can't answer it on the show, you'll try to get the answer for the folks too. Yeah, we want to help people one way or the other. I got a new show in the works. LinuxActionNews.com. Don't use the www. It's for fools. Actually, I think the fireside. It's a problem over there. I gotta talk to Dan. But in the meantime, go LinuxActionShowNews.com. LinuxActionNews.com. No show. LinuxActionNews.com. Go over there, get an RSS feed. The new show is launching very, very soon. If you're not subscribed to User Air yet, you can get more Noah and I together on the User Air program. And also, if you want to give input to this show, unfilter.reddit.com is where you go. Unfilter.reddit.com. Thanks for being here. We'll see you back here next week. See you then. Welcome to the Unfilter Overtime. Don't listen to those other guys. The show's really just getting started right now. It's all the stuff that they couldn't justify in the main show. They stuck it in here. Left us in charge. We have the same names, but a different mission. Thank you to our patrons that made it possible as well. New patrons this week, Kevin, Jamie, John, John Wayne, huh? Oh, close. Close. John W. A couple of extra letters in there, maybe an exclamation mark, and you got it. And Bobby G. One, two, three, four. Four new patrons. Thank you very much for becoming a patron at patreon.com slash unfilter. This is a listener-funded show. Now, one of the things that actually came up last week on Twitter, somebody said, hey, Chris, this channel, Conspiracy Scope, is stealing Unfilter off of YouTube and reposting on their own channels and getting ad revenue. Aren't you angry about that? No. No. This is a Patreon model-funded show. The more people that see it, the better. It's a record for the people, funded by the people. If this week, when the James Comey News came out, and you're like... I can't wait for Unfilter to talk about his ass getting fired. And if you're not a patron yet, you might consider it. It's probably a sign you're getting some value out of the show. Patreon.com slash Unfilter. Now, uh, because I don't believe in giving the brown bear any time off, Noah joins me back here for the overtime. Welcome back, Noah. Hello. Thank you for having me. Hello, sir. So I uh, I know you've been around now a little bit for the overtime, so you kind of have an idea of how this works now. So I'm I don't got to brief you. Better. Yeah, I don't got to brief you. But you know how I like to start with the O Nancy segment. Let's start. Let's do O Nancy. Yeah, O Nancy's great, and I got some great Nancy stuff. I got some Maxine stuff. This is really what I consider this to be: is the documentation of the corruption of the establishment wing of the Democratic Party. These are the people causing the Democrats to lose all of the things. Now I'm going to give them credit this week because these are also the same people that were so amazingly on top of and concise with their message. After Comey was fired. So this week really demonstrated why this group is in power 
and what they're good at. But now let's take a look at what they're not so good at and why they are rot for the Democratic Party. I, I don't really have to set this one up much because you'll barely understand it, and that's the point. Uh, Trump care means heart-stopping premium increases for Americans in anything from asthma to cancer, and the list goes on along the alphabet. And she kind of had this weird twitch on her face when she says that. The fight against Trump care is the fight for children. You've oh. heard me many of you talk frequently about Zoe. What did she just say? Could you tell me what she just said, Noah? It's a fight against. It's a fight for children. And then what'd she say after that? Do you have any no, idea of the words that came out of her mouth? Mutter, mutter. The fight against Trump care is a fight for children. Okay, now listen to this part because I have no idea what she's saying. You've heard me many of you talk frequently about Zoe Madison. You've heard me many okay, frequently. So you, may, you heard me maybe talk about Zoe Madison. Ah, uh, is that what she said? Maybe it it's a maybe. Oh, maybe. Children. You've heard me many of you talk. Of no, many of you. Many of you, not maybe. Oh, oh. You've heard okay. me maybe many of you. Or no, 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 no maybe. Fight for children. You've heard me many of you talk frequently about Zoe Madison Lynn. Under Trump care has put Zoe's future a crushing age tax if you're 50, 50 to 64. You get the idea, right? So another uh, stellar performance by Nancy Pelosi. This one, though, is my favorite. Listen to how she kind of murmurs and mutters and talks to herself while she's being asked a question. I always had confidence in the appropriators. It's a place where you try to act and work in the most bipartisan way. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. I wonder how you view the process here. Back when the uh, Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, was moving through Congress, you were shepherding through Congress as speaker. The mantra was, read the bill. Last night the bill was made public at about eight o'clock. Today there's a vote. Do you feel vindicated or how do you how, how, what's your take on this? Well first let me say that I do not stipulate to the set of facts you presented as uh, you're right, that's what the Republicans said. <laughs> I love the I love her mumbling during that, uh, but uh, none of them, none of them are as good. None of those mumbles, none of those uh, slurs are nearly as good as your good friend, our good buddy Maxine Waters. This oh, is her goodness. live, uh, and she didn't know the cameras were going, so she's uh, a little more loose with uh, how she feels about things. Not allow ourselves to be shut up or shut down by anyone, especially. This disgusting excuse for a man. Who's now the president of the United States? Who's now the president of the United States? No, again, let's let's play uh, let's play a little version. Let's play a version of switching shoes. Imagine if Hillary Clinton had had won the election, and uh, you know, I don't know, uh, sexist. uh, yeah, right. Some, some guy got up there and said that 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 poor that excuse, poor excuse for, a for a woman. Oh my right. god, dude! I hadn't even thought of that. Listen, can't we talk about her presidency? Why do we have to concentrate on the fact she's a woman because of misogyny? That's why. Oh wow! I mean, of course, we'll never know for sure, but that sure seems like the way things would have gone. That is really bad. That is, yeah, good call. Yeah, you're right. Uh, okay, I love. So let's stay on Maxine Waters for a moment. Maxine Waters has been the most vocally outspoken. Anytime something goes against um, what the way the, – I would say anything – anytime something goes against what the Democrats were hoping would, would develop. So for example, 
Jim Comey sits down, does a bunch of testimonies, doesn't really give them anything to chew on. So D- Jim Comey, he's no good, right? He's no good now, according to the Democrats. Well, except for now after today's and yesterday's recent developments. But this was just a few days ago when Maxine Waters, just a few days ago, was saying that Jim Comey had no credibility. No, it's classified and we can't tell you anything. All I can tell you is the FBI director has no credibility. And then she walks off the microphone. That's actually – see, that's good. That's good. That that is at least a defensible position. It's classified, so we can't tell you. We'll never know if it was classified or not. Maybe it is. Maybe it's very sensitive and she can't tell us. So we'll never know. That's actually a great answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, of course, uh, so the the thing is, is, you know, video doesn't die in this age. And so uh, somebody somehow at some news agency managed to dig this clip up and ask her about it. That was Congresswoman Maxine Waters criticizing now former FBI Director James Comey after a closed briefing on Russia's interference in the U.S. election. It took place just one week before the president took office here at the White House. For more, I want to bring in... Do you know there is an independent uh, group that uh, surveyed the members of, uh, of Senate and uh, Congress and uh, Maxine Waters in the, t- in the two times they've done the investigation came up in like one of the most 20 corrupt uh, members <laughs> in their entire list. Like that she, doesn't surprise me. Yeah, she. Uh, so don't worry though. Uh, it's obviously it's obviously her sound, st- light, totally locked in uh, grasp on reality and logic that keeps her reelected. I would assume, which yes, is about to why. be yeah, obviously, which is about to be demonstrated to us. The Congresswoman herself, Maxine Waters, who is joining me now. Congresswoman, we appreciate your time. You obviously have been very critical of James Comey in the past. You said that he had no credibility. I assume that you support the president's decision then to fire his FBI director. I couldn't believe this was being a... This guy is on MSNBC. He's got to be careful. He's going to lose his job. No, I do not necessarily support the president's decision. If the president had not gone all over the country praising him about the way he handled Hillary and the emails, if the president said he had confidence in him, if the president had not said he was a part of his team, but Congresswoman, then, it, it, yes. I understand that in the past he was praising him, but if you said that FBI Director James Comey had no credibility, wouldn't you support the fact that the president, then, then candidate oh, no, Trump, now president? No, no. <laughs> this is a real tough oh, spot, no, right? No, no, now, see, now, no, now no, 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 no. That was before. <laughs> yeah. now, this is now. It's history now. That was before. Now, don't pay attention to what I said before. Pay attention to what I'm saying now. He doesn't understand. Then, then candidate oh, no, Trump, now President no, no, Trump no, made no, the decision no. to get rid of him? No, no, not necessarily. And let me tell why you not? why. You have an investigation going on where the president is implicated, and this is a serious investigation. I've been trying to get people to focus on this connection with the Kremlin and with Putin. I have a resolution that I introduced in February. I think there's enough there that we know about the Kremlin and about Putin uh, to be concerned <laughs> about whether or not there was collusion. So I to believe be clear, there you was, think, and so be, I believe that they should have to connect the dots. Oh, yeah. Get the facts because I think it will lead to the impeachment of this president. Wow, she's even so dropping the, the impeachment in there. <laughs> so my favorite <laughs> thing, is, my favorite thing about this is, see, so two things. One is my favorite thing about this is that I'm glad that we acknowledge that when the director of the FBI leaves, then all current investigations are suddenly dropped, and just <laughs> anyone that was under investigation they they get to go free, and then we start all over again when the new director gets there. He'll decide if anyone is going to be investigated or not. That's how the FBI works, right? It's of not course. like cases carry on from one director to another. But well, my second, you thing, know, hold on before you go further. The other thing is too is there's there is other investigations going on by the House. Of course. 
So it's it's not like it's not like there's only one investigation happening. Right. The, the investigation will continue with or without Comey. So, Congresswoman, respecting that, to be clear, you believe it would have been better to keep in place an FBI director who you said had no credibility to oversee this investigation than to find someone who you think would be a better choice? Wow, that's a great question. No, but I believe the president thought that. Don't forget, you're talking about what some Democrats said, what I said, but don't forget, he was the president. The president supported him. He had confidence in him. It was his it, within his power. And but you said he had no credibility, so it, it would seem to I make did. sense that I, he should absolutely. get rid of him. <laughs> I love that he's asking this. Now get ready for this because there's some confusion that's about to happen. No, 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 no. Under investigation, this president basically has interfered with an investigation where he may be implicated. That's outrageous. And that's why we're having so much of a conversation about it today. Everybody is talking about it because this is highly unusual. The bottom line is that you think an FBI director without credibility would have been best served in this position. The bottom line, I think if the president, if the president had fired him when he first came in, uh, he would not have to be in a position now where he's trying to make up a story Understood. about why it does Un- not meet the smell test. Understood. So if Hillary Clinton had won the White House, would you have recommended that she fire FBI Director James Comey? Well, let me tell you something. If she had won the White House, I believe that given what he did to her and what he tried to do, she should have fired him. Yes. So she should have fired him, but he shouldn't have fired him. This is why I'm confused. She, no, it's, it's, no, you're not confused. Yes, he is confused. If the president is implicated I, I in an investigation. <laughs> I am confused. <laughs> All right, we'll save it there because we already covered it in the main show. But I thought that was a great clip. Now, here's CNN uh, getting a little called out after their analysis of the commie firing. So at no time did he turn to the president and say, you know, it would be inappropriate for you to fire the head of the FBI when the FBI is investigating your campaign, by extension, your White House, for colluding with a foreign power. That is itself absurd. How is that absurd? You've ever run an agency that runs investigations? Isn't it interesting uh, how bad their audio is? I mean, isn't it interesting to you as just as two guys who just been spending two weeks working on a studio that as soon as this guy raises his voice, you can hear the fan and all of the room noise in this? I mean, from a pure, just like raw production standpoint, how are they not better than this, do you think? I think probably it comes down to they just they put lapels on everyone and then they gate them as best they can and hope for the best power. That is itself absurd. How is that absurd? You've ever run an agency that runs investigations, which I have. Oh. That person does not day-to-day run the investigation. Oh. They are not in charge of the investigation. Oh. They manage the personnel, and that's I'm sorry. No, no, no. Now, what I love about this is instead of being, oh, great point, you have experience, you know what you're talking about, Keeneth... <clears throat> really must have pushed some buttons here because the CNN panelist, uh, Jeffrey or whatever his name, I don't think it's Jeffrey, he, he, you could watch him, something happens and a flip switch, something flips in his head, something switches and he, now he's in, now he wants blood. They are not in charge of the investigation. They manage the personnel and that's I'm sorry, it. no, no, no. There it is right there. No, no, no. That's him. Now he's all in. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. He's and the I, attorney no, general. Of the, no, no. Look, he's, no, no. You look, interrupted right. me. This I will finish is, my this point. This is not about Mr. Cuccinelli. No, there sir, are, no, no. There you're getting out of one at a time. And this is what the cable news always devolves into whenever they try to have a conversation. It's just gross. 
It's gross. And you can tell these people in there have their own agendas, like Whoopi Goldberg. North Koreans get long-range missiles able to... Yeah, that's Condoleezza Rice. ...reach the United States. So Do you, do you find it interesting that the relationship between China and... The- now watch this. So this is Whoopi Goldberg. She's talked about Donald Trump. Surprisingly, they talk about politics more than you'd expect on The View, so much so that they now have a segment called The Political View. This is destroying America. This is going to destroy America. It's going to poison the minds of the average citizen at home. It is misinformation, and it could not be done by a less – what's a nice way to say this? Credentialed group? I mean they have no standing. They have she no standing. She does have nice glasses though. She I does. Really like those and that jacket's pretty badass because if you look closely, it's a map. But listen now. Listen to why they should – they should not be doing this. Uh, and the new guy – then she won't even say Trump. She calls Donald Trump the new guy. She won't even say Donald Trump's name. That the relationship between China and the new guy. Because that's so mature. Remember when Hillary did that last week with Putin? And I was like, yeah, what? He who shall not be named. Yeah. Now she's doing it with Trump, the new guy. It's some sort of it is some sort of weird messaging. I don't know why they do this. Maybe it's for liability purposes, but it's it's frustrating. Uh, it's, virtual, it's, virtual, it's, it's virtue signaling. Yeah. And it's also annoying. And it. It's childish. Between China and the new guy. Uh, Just won't say his name. Oh, yeah. Let's clap that. Let's clap that. Let's clap that. Oh, and Condi's laughing. Condoleezza Rice. Republican Condoleezza Rice thinks that's so hilarious. Um, Needs to be a little clearer for the American people because there's been a lot of conversations. A lot of conversations. Of course, that doesn't fucking mean a goddamn thing, but she's going to say it. A lot of conversations doesn't mean anything, but that's a generic word she's going to use because she's searching for what actually is the problem. But she doesn't know what the problem is. There is no problem that she can actualize in her mind at this moment. But here she is doing the political view, supposedly, supposedly leading this conversation of political opinions, and she has no idea what she's about to say next. Watch. About, you know... Getting your what was it his uh, oh my god see I had the brain is gone when he, no no when he was getting his she has no idea and she's just waiting for somebody to throw something out there so they can latch on and have outrage he was able to get wow I mean is the, what are they doing what are they why are they even talking about this there's so many other things they could be discussing that they actually have an opinion on so she's gonna fish now she's fishing come on somebody look at her body language right now her body somebody give me something throw me a bone look at that look at her hands like yourself like imagine you were emoting give me something here that's exactly the hand gestures mm-hmm. you would make mm-hmm. anything please co-host save me his pet oh, the trademark. The trademarks. oh yeah yeah okay sure sure watch this whole thing it's 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 amazing Oh my God! See, I had the brain is gone. When he, no, no, when he was getting his, he was able to get patent. His patent. Oh, the oh, trademark. The trademark. Oh, yeah. What the hell is Condoleezza Rice even doing at the table with these women? And all of these things that came tumbling into the new guy's lap once he became president. Shouldn't he kind of clear up that he's representing as our president? I think he's talking about some sort of business deal that happened in China after or around the time that Trump had a meeting with the Chinese. I'm not sure what Mm -hmm. she's talking about. He's not representing his corporation, Mm -hmm. but representing us and our needs. But what she know, there you go. She's there. I go. I got it. I got it. This is the talking point. Is he representing the company or is he representing? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is it about Trump corporation or is it about the American people? That's right. Yeah. What do you think, Condi? Presenting us and our 
needs. Oh. Do you see that? Do you do you see that mm-hmm. that that you can? She's actually telegraphing it. In- Us and our needs. Oh, absolutely. It should be uh, absolutely clear, and you should do everything that you can to make that absolutely clear. And I'm going to make a few more generic statements that aren't committing me to anything, while my hosts just sit here and nod at me. It's. <laughs> It is this kind of discourse that's led us to where we're at. And if this is the reflection and if this is the attack that the Democrats have, it's pretty pathetic. Condoleezza Rice, too. What's going on, man? Because she's not just at The View. She's like all over the place. Madam Secretary, you're one of the country's leading experts on Russia. You speak Russian. I just want to ask you, because we're all thinking about it today, what on earth is Vladimir Putin thinking in the Mm. Kremlin as he watches Sally Yates on television and Jim Clapper talking about the success of Russian covert action? What what, what would Russians think about that? Well, first of all, let me just state, I'm appalled by what the Russians did, and we ought to find a way ultimately to punish it. Punish what? Interfering with our elections. Okay. How do they do that? Well, they, 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 uh, they put messages out on RT TV. Oh, okay. All R- right. RT. It, it yeah. influenced. Yeah, us. I would agree. That would be a, yes, you're right. That would be probably the only provable thing that the Russians did during the election. Yeah, I think you're right. And they guess, I guess they should be punished for that. Right. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, <clears throat> CBS was doing a little face the nation poll. And if you're if you're familiar with video editing, you'll recognize some cuts in here where they had to shut people down. But uh, the uh, the people, they're not as fooled as we're led to believe. Jack, what does the Democratic Party mean to you right now? Well, the uh, Democratic Party has seems to be lost, and the reason they seem to be to me they seem to be lost is because they let the Republicans define who they are. Connie, if you were giving an instruction manual to the Democratic Party to get their act together, what would you tell them to do? They have to define who they are. They have to have a backbone about standing up for it um, and not be bought out by anyone or swayed because they think they might lose their office. They have to be willing to stand for it. If you're going to say, I'm, I'm standing for this, then you have to stand for it all the way. I've been a Democrat all my life. I think the Democrats, not only are they out of touch they have no interest in correcting the situation. They're not doing any postmortems. Now, this was out of all of this. It's all kind of generic, but this felt like the most real analysis of all of it. And I'm I'm pleased to see that apparently voters in focus understand this. Are they out of touch? They have no interest in correcting the situation. They're not doing any postmortems. They're writing off. Well, we don't own the White House because of Putin. Or because of WikiLeaks. What did WikiLeaks tell us, by the way? They, regardless of who was behind it, they confirmed that Hillary Clinton and the Democratic establishment are liars, and that they had had their thumb on the scale, uh, you know, for Hillary Clinton. Well, you know, so what are they basically saying? If if we hadn't been caught lying, we'd be running the country right now. <laughs> exactly. So I'm glad that that's not lost on some of the people. It's not just you and I sitting here banging our heads with our listeners going, I know. So that's good. That's good. It's too bad that doesn't get the attention of the mainstream media. Well, it was it was on yeah, Face the Nation. Mainstream media, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, you know what? Let's just stop talking about our damn emails, guys. It was just emails. Could we just stop talking about our damn emails? It was just, just emails. There's a little uh, world news we have to get into here in the overtime from France. 
We now know who will be France's next president, Emmanuel Macron, easily defeated Marine Le Pen yesterday. Tonight from Paris, senior foreign affairs correspondent Greg Palcott tells us what comes next. A changing of the guard and more in France. Outgoing President Francois Hollande with President-elect Emmanuel Macron at a World War II commemoration in Paris. At 39, Macron is the youngest French leader since Napoleon Bonaparte. He has never held elected office. It's unprecedented and unheard of, so we are in a new political era with a new political landscape. Do you have any thoughts on this? Not so far, no. Yeah, I don't really either. Uh, what I, I guess so far my, my thoughts are there was a lot of news about how Russian hacking was uh, trying to uh, sway voters to go a different direction. And now that the, uh, now that the candidate that supposedly the Russian hackers were against won, what is the, where does that leave that Russian hacking narrative? Because the guy that supposedly they were uh, hacking against and the WikiLeaks had documents on that were supplied by Russia, he got elected. So where does that leave us? Now, I know what I'm going to be doing. If this gets much worse, Noah's going to be filling in for me on a few more shows while I load up Lady Jupes, take the drone, and head over to Stanford because apparently we have ourselves a little disaster. The Washington Post reports on the tunnel collapse at the Hanford nuclear oh, Hanford. waste site in Washington. <laughs> Not Stanford. <laughs> Hanford, you'd think I'd know since it's in... Uh, wait, now look at this, dude. I just paused this. CBS frickin' Morning News has it up at Washington, D.C. Wow. CBS frickin' Morning News has it in Washington, D.C. How do they not know this? They, their, their graphic is wrong. It's in Washington State, my Washington here on the Pacific Northwest yeah, Coast. And it says in the text, it says Washington State. But yeah, they put, the, they put the marker in the wrong place. Washington State. Workers at the nation's most contaminated nuclear facility are closely monitoring the air quality. The tunnel that collapsed stores rail, rail cars filled with decades-old radioactive waste. Plutonium for nuclear weapons was made at the massive site in eastern Washington for more than four decades. That's CBS's sanitized way of saying that the bombs we dropped in Japan, the waste from those projects, is also stored here. John Blackstone is outside the site, which is nearly half the size of Rhode Island. John, good morning. Good morning. Well, the motto on the sign here at Hanford, where safety comes first, will be put to the test today as crews attempt to determine what caused the ground above this tunnel to collapse. Now, there's been no radioactive release detected, but experts say that this shows the deteriorating conditions at this troubled nuclear facility. So if I uh, am not on the air next week, uh, this probably went bad. And if you get cancer after that, it went real bad. <laughs> you know, there is a uh, there is a group of people here in Washington that live near this area that that they <coughs> excuse me as I have a little cancer myself. They would tell you that uh, their thyroid issues are from this this site. I have no idea if it's true, but there's been several attempts to start like class action lawsuits and to uh, get groups of community members together to go after them. Purex tunnel for a possible collapse of the tunnel. Nearly 5,000 workers took cover Tuesday morning after a 20-by-20-foot area of soil collapsed over a tunnel used to store contaminated radioactive materials at Hanford. Yeah, the other thing to consider is this is near the Columbia River. James Lopez's girlfriend works at the site. It's pretty scary. They put her in a room and they cut off all the ventilation so that the outside air couldn't get in. The breach happened near the center of the 500-square-mile nuclear complex, Old rail cars used to transport plutonium and uranium are now stored in wood and concrete tunnels covered by about eight feet of soil. Isn't that fascinating? They just put the whole train car in there. They just, the whole thing's wow. fucked. They got to put the whole thing in there. 
dirt collapsed into the tunnel. Nobody's involved. There's no people involved. Hanford emergency operations official Destry Henderson updated the public on Facebook. No signs of a radiological release. Additionally, no employees have been injured. Hanford is home to 56 million gallons of radioactive waste. All of the waste from the Manhattan Project, which tested and built the atomic bomb during World War II... Oh, they did put it in here. ...is buried there. The facility has been closed for nearly 30 years, but 9,000 people now work at the site on a massive cleanup effort. Did you hear that number? Mm. 9,000. 9,000 people work there to clean that place up. 9,000. Um, and I, I gather that more modern plants have much cleaner, cleaner output. Like that's one of the things is Hanford has, um, like the worst of our worst. Like when we were oh, still, really? yeah, when we were learning how to do this stuff, and that modern plants don't really have that level of. I, I don't know. I, sh- I probably shouldn't talk out my arse, but from what I've been told by people who know, it sounds like things are better today. But the issue is, the things that we created decades ago, we still have to do something with them. And guess what? Hanford's it right here in my neck of the woods, dude. In fact, uh, some of the people that saw you and I at Linux Fest Northwest had to drive right past that place to go. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Albert. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I wasn't aware. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, did you hear about Sally Yates doing some uh, testimony talking about uh, Flynn and uh, all mm-hmm. these? Let's let's, mm-hmm. do, let's do a little bit of that here in the overtime. Good evening. Welcome to Washington. I'm Brett Baer. Hey, Brett. A former Justice Department lawyer fired by President Trump says she tried to warn the incoming administration about General Michael Flynn as national security advisor, saying he could be possibly blackmailed by the Russians. She told her story today for the first time on Capitol Hill. President Trump issued a pre-buttal before Sally Yates ever took the stand and tried to deflect blame onto Yates and President Obama. How information leaked, who leaked it, the unmasking of names, and the question about collusion all covered today in the hearing. Chief Intelligence Correspondent Catherine Harridge was at that hearing. She joins us now from Capitol Hill. Good evening, Catherine. Well, thank you, Brett. The hearing wrapped here on Capitol Hill just 15 minutes ago with the former acting attorney general testifying that she warned the White House counsel multiple times about Flynn and the potential for blackmail. We felt like it was critical that we get this information to the White House. Now, I actually thought about cutting directly to this point of the clip, Mm -hmm. not showing you the video and telling you that this was Elizabeth Warren. Because listen to the way this woman talks and tell me it doesn't sound exactly like Elizabeth Warren. Are you ready? So picture Elizabeth Mm -hmm. Warren in your mind and tell me it's not identical. We felt like it was critical that we get this information to the White House. Did you hear it? Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Doesn't yeah. it, doesn't it sound exact? It's so weird, man. Very, yeah, very convincing. Testifying before a Senate committee, Obama administration appointee Sally Yates broke her silence because the vice president was unknowingly making false statements to the public. The former acting attorney general testified that she met twice in person and had a phone call with the White House counsel Don McGahn because the White House said the incoming national security advisor Mike Flynn did not discuss sanctions in late December with the Russian ambassador. When intelligence transcripts showed the opposite. Not only did we believe that the Russians knew this, but that they likely had proof of this information. God, I can't I can't unhear it now. It's so Elizabeth Warren. It's weird, man. Like if I wasn't showing you her screen right now, I could totally Mm. be playing these clips and tell you it's Elizabeth Warren. And I don't think you would argue with me. No, no. It's so weird. Okay. anyways, I won't interrupt again. I just I think it's there's there's I find speech patterns to also be something fascinating to just sort of analyze. Not only did we believe that the Russians knew this, but that they likely had proof of this information. 
And that created a compromise situation, a situation where the national security advisor essentially could be blackmailed by the Russians. What do you think of this? Um, So Michael Flynn, he was also previously hired by the Obama administration. In fact, his trip over to Russia was during his time working with the Obama administration. Uh, Mm -hmm. They didn't have a problem with it. However, I I think there is some point to if there's financial ties with the Russian government and things of that nature – that you are maybe in a more slightly compromised position, just as if I sure. – just like I would have an issue with an FCC commissioner having formerly worked for telcos. Right. Yeah. I mean I, I, think, I think he got kind of snowballed and I think that uh, you know, we don't know what the exact context of the conversation is because it, it hasn't been released yet. But you know, if he just said, you know, uh, hey – uh, when I, you know, if, if somebody from the Russian government said, "Hey, these are some of the issues that we here here are some of the concerns that we have with these issues," and he said, "Yeah, you know, maybe we can do something about that," is that really inappropriate? I don't think so either. I, I, if that was the extent I, so, of it, yeah, See, the whole thing still feels know. like a bit of a witch hunt. Then to you, is that what you're saying? Yeah, very much so. But, but you know what? Here's the bottom line. As soon as it came to the attention of of Donald Trump, he fired him. What more do you want him to do? Well, they would and argue that, that it took him 18 days. That's the big well, talking. If you're going to end somebody's career, I would hope he'd think about it for at least 18 days. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, then uh, I, let's play this next clip because I'm always I'm always looking for real specifics on what the Russians did during the election. I always want to know <clears throat> specifics. Airing airing clips on RT and news segments that would be a specific thing that they did to try to influence the election. What else did they do to try to influence the election? Well, James Clapper back in the hot seat answering these questions. The intelligence community assessment concluded first that President Putin directed an influence campaign to erode the faith and confidence of the American people in our presidential election process. So the intelligence, they, uh, they assessed that he, he, wants, he had a campaign to erode faith. Mm-hmm. Hmm, okay. Second, that he did so to demean Secretary Clinton. And third, that he sought to advantage Mr. Trump. So he wanted to specifically demean Hillary who had gotten him that sweet uranium deal, and mm-hmm. he wanted to advantage Trump. I, I could believe this, but for different reasons than what they imply. I could believe this because Hillary had a pro-military action stance in Syria. She was obviously pro what happened in Libya. She was very much more like double down on Syria type policy, and Russia didn't like that. So I could see them preferring Trump, who at the time was very much more isolationist, less involvement, stay out of Syria, let Russia knock the mm. hell out of ISIS. If I mm. was Trump, I'd probably be polling for Hillary. OK, so I can buy some of this, not for the reasons they're telling us, but I could see motivations. These conclusions were reached based on the richness of the information gathered and analyzed and were thoroughly vetted and then approved by the directors of the three agencies and me. These Russian activities and the resultant assessment were briefed first to President Obama on the 5th of January. The 5th of January. So not before the election. And to President-elect Trump at Trump Tower on the 6th. The 6th of January. And to the Congress via a series of five briefings from the 6th through the 13th of January. None of these dates are before the election, which the Hillary Clinton right. campaign says they were. Right. That's they have no all. effect. That's all after the yeah. That's well, Hillary Clinton campaigns is is like they're all 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 over the place, all over the place, all over the place, saying that 
Barry didn't do enough. Barry didn't do enough. Barry knew what was going on. He should have done more. Well, it sounds like he didn't get briefed until uh, January 5th, uh, which, if I uh, did my math right, would be after the election. Did you carry the one? (laughs) Yeah, I did. I did. Now, there's been a lot of strong reactions to the firing of James Comey. Here's a little collection of some of them. President Trump's decision to fire FBI Director James Comey stunned Washington and is sending shockwaves through the agency. Tuesday night massacre. Let's play hardball. It's a grotesque abuse of power by the president of the United States. Again, disdain for the presidency. This is bigger than Trump. It's about America. People are calling it a constitutional crisis. We're in a full-blown constitutional crisis. An absolutely bizarre statement for this bizarre president to make. And Donald Trump, in writing that sentence that he clearly couldn't hold back on is raising his own potential criminal liability. A little whiff of fascism tonight, I think it's fair to say. I don't care about the law. I'm the boss. It's understandable that people are comparing it to Watergate. This is the kind of thing that goes on in non-democracies. Oh, non-democracies. terribly dangerous moment in American history. Has there ever been anything that rose to this level other than the Saturday Night Massacre and the time that you've been an observer of American politics? I can't think of it. I've heard some people call this a dark day for our democracy. This is no longer about Donald Trump. It's about the presidency, which is being diminished on a daily basis. The Capitol is filling with echoes of Watergate. And the question this morning is whether the centuries-old system of checks and balances will swing into action. Oh, my goodness. Well, your unfiltered show will be here to watch what the hell happens, whatever the hell happens. We pre- we appreciate your support. Even if you just listen and spread the word, we really appreciate that. Hope you enjoyed the whole dang show. I'd love to have you join us next week. Thanks for being here.